0: It is a Tuesday. Welcome in, everybody. I am Mike Steely right here at the homestead today. Parker is finally back from Omaha. He's in the Brown-O'Haver Studios. we got things going on today. We're going to talk about uh, Texas lands another five-star. The Sooners lose out on a three-star safety. And a little recruiting news for you coming up here in a minute. And uh, we're going to be talking a little Texas football with Sean Clinch, Longhorns insider, about the Arch Manning effect coming up around 1235, What that means. Uh, can Texas continue to build on this class, which is now number three nationally, uh, behind only Ohio State and Notre Dame? 135, Eric Bailey will join us. We'll talk a little sooner baseball and uh, jump into
1: some Sooner football as well. Parker, how are we doing today? How's it feel to be back? I tell you what, Mike, it takes some getting used to. I walked into the office, I'm like, dang, it's been... It's been weeks since I said like foot here. like the longest
0: trip ever, right? Well, I, I mean, for everybody who went to Omaha and went the distance with the Sooners there in Omaha, it's got to
1: feel a little bit weird. Well, you know, I was sitting next to my very first boss in the industry, John Hoover, up in the press box at the CWS, and he turned to me and he remarked, Man, I've been doing this for 30 years. I have never been on a work trip this long. Yeah. And if you think yeah. about it, there's really no event... That you would cover on the road that lasts as long as the College World Series does, particularly if you go the distance like Oklahoma did.
0: Yeah. What What was the total uh, day
1: count? Oh gosh, let me think. I think you
0: start on a Friday. was it ten
1: days. Yeah. It's been It's been since not last Thursday, but the previous Thursday that I was here. So this is my first time in studio in twelve days.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe if you're at a bowl game, maybe you go out a little bit early. Sometimes you might get there a week early or something, uh, you know, particularly if it's a big, uh, you know, uh, semifinal or when the Sooners were in the Orange Bowl, uh, even before the BCS and everything else, uh, you might go out there for a week to cover practice and the lead-up to the game and the press conferences. But, man, that's a long time. That is a long time, uh, no doubt about it. But uh, its I'm sure a lot of it was very enjoyable. Obviously, you're working, but still, uh, you guys did a great job there in uh, Omaha. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about the recruiting stuff coming up here in a minute. But I want to talk about Baker Mayfield in Norman today, Baker Kids Camp. And, again, Baker's still looking for a new NFL home uh, it looks like maybe it will be Seattle. We certainly don't know. They're still talking about Carolina. Is there just the smallest percentage, smidgen of a chance he might be back with Cleveland? I would doubt it. That appears to be a broken relationship, and there's no going back. There's no reunited and it feels so good, at least it doesn't look like. But Baker did meet with the media today. These clips are courtesy of Sooner Scoop, their video Baker was asked, could he ever play again for the Cleveland Browns?
1: Hold on, Mike. We're having a computer malfunction here.
0: No problem, no problem. Just let me know, we're ready to go. And uh I thought it was interesting, and of course, Sports Center <laughs> picked it up already. It'll be interesting to see what uh what Colin Cowherd does with the audio. Okay, we got uh, we got it now. Okay, no problem. Here's Baker again when he was asked if he could ever play again for the Browns organization.
2: I think it's uh, been pretty obvious the mutual decision on both sides is, is to move on. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for my four years in Cleveland. There's a lot of ups and downs and a ton of learning experiences that, uh, you know, I'll forever keep with me. You know, what? teammates and friends and, and relationships that I'll have for a lifetime and you know, just flew in last night from East Lansing, Michigan, for Drew Stanton, who's my mentor. He was a quarterback there in Cleveland. when I got drafted. And just relationships like that, you're just so thankful for. So, I mean, it's the support staff in Cleveland, the people of Cleveland, it's a great sports town. So I'm thankful for it. And it's, there's no resentment towards the city of Cleveland by any means. But I think a lot of people think if they didn't have a quarterback for the next year, would, would there be any chance of reconciliation there?
0: Well, that's the uh, question, and Baker said, you know, they have to reach out, really, and uh, Cleveland has not been reaching out. And we know that Deshaun uh, Deshaun Watson's disciplinary hearing is underway today. They have settled, again, 20 of the 24 civil suits, but – uh, the NFL from what we're hearing again pushing for a one season a one-year suspension for Deshaun Watson now will they get that maybe they're aiming high and thinking it might be half a season we'll see what the arbitrator rules but and we don't know if that's going to happen today or not but the Browns if Deshaun Watson let's say he's suspended even half the season and I'm hoping it's a year I think it should be a year and that may not even be long enough but Uh, We'll see, but they would have Jacoby Brissett, and they also have uh, Joshua Gibbs there. Uh, who would you rather have, Baker Mayfield or those two guys? I think it's pretty obvious he'd rather have Baker Mayfield, but feelings have been hurt. The Browns have, uh, you know, obviously made it clear they want to move on. Baker has talked about, you know, you just heard in the clip that he, he likes Cleveland, the Browns fans, but I'm sure he still feels betrayed by the organization. The NFL is a big business, and he always went back, you know, they they told me one thing and did another. So I, I just don't see how that happens. So, wouldn't you think, again, Seattle would probably be the place when all the dust settles for Baker?
1: I mean, I think I think we've said it from the get-go, Mike. Seattle is the place that makes the most sense, not only for Baker, but for Seattle. Because Lord knows if you can avoid it, you don't want to walk into the 2022 season with Drew Locke as your starting quarterback. Seattle is a place where Baker can go, have a chance to win immediately, have some weapons in the arsenal... And maybe, just maybe, he's at the helm of a playoff team come the winter. And with Carolina, you know, you had the whole Robbie Anderson fiasco where I guess he took to social media to publicly complain about the prospects of of the Panthers getting yeah. Baker Mayfield and kind of insinuated that. that he didn't want Mayfield as his quarterback, so there's never been a point in time at which I've questioned that Seattle is the best spot for Baker. So the best laid plans, I would say, would put Baker in Seattle to be the Seahawks starting quarterback week one in 2022. The question was always, how does that happen? And when does it happen? And at this point in time, I think especially once we got to the other side of the NFL draft, it became apparent, okay, it's going to be a while before we find out what Baker Mayfield's ultimate destination is. At this point in time, you're getting closer and closer to preseason training camp, getting closer and closer to when you got to make some real decisions with regard to your roster composition and what it's going to look like if you're the Cleveland Browns and the Seattle Seahawks. It's abundantly clear that Baker Mayfield is not going to be back in Cleveland There is no viable path for that to happen. So I wonder if we see something come down the line here pretty soon that sends Baker Mayfield to Seattle because it makes all the sense in the world at this point. It does, and,
0: uh, you know, it's weird thinking about it. Who would have thought this would be the case, right, after, uh, you know, the previous season when the Browns get to the playoffs and, uh, you know, Baker's back on the good side of uh, almost all the Cleveland fans. You know, I roll with number six, and uh, he was kind of a, a hero again in Cleveland. And then, you know, he uh, he goes out, injures his shoulder. That's certainly not to blame for everything. Baker deserves a, a large chunk of the blame for not playing well. He didn't play well. I think his confidence was shaken. I really do. I think the Odell Beckham stuff kind of got in his head a little bit. He even mentioned that social media uh, got in his head a little bit, and uh, I, I think he lost confidence. And then when you're playing and you're playing injured, I don't care if it's the non throwing shoulder or not, it still affected his play. Uh, it just kind of all snowballed on Baker, and now here's where we are. So. I, a good comeback story is what we all like, and maybe Baker will have his comeback story. Maybe it will be in Seattle. You know, clearly, and I agree with what Josh and uh, Plank were talking about this, and I agree with what Josh said, no doubt the best roster for Baker would be in Cleveland. Uh, again, let's say, hypothetical, the Browns go, you know what, Baker, man, you know what, we we kind of screwed this deal up, man, we apologize, can you, you, you want to come play for us again? And that's only going to happen once they find out what's going on with Deshaun Watson uh, in this disciplinary hearing. But I wonder what Baker's answer would be. Because, again, the best opportunity if he's healthy and if he starts playing well for him to shine is with that roster. Now, you can talk about that division, which is very competitive, obviously, but it's a better roster than what they have with the Seahawks, and it's clearly a better roster than what they have in Carolina.
1: Yeah, again, if there was a viable path for Mayfield to be the Cleveland Browns quarterback in 2022, I don't think that would be a terrible situation for Baker, but it's become a terrible situation, and that has nothing right. to do with the product on the field. That has nothing to do with the weapons in the cabinet. It has everything to do with how the Browns have treated Baker Mayfield, and everything to do with the fact that they, hand, they handed a quarter of a billion dollars guaranteed to a guy that at this point, like we don't know when he's going to step on an NFL football field again. We don't. And there is so much still up in the air with regard to the Deshaun Watson situation. And there is so much that is yet to be determined. I don't think we're going to have a clear answer on the Deshaun Watson situation and what the uh, repercussions for Watson will be until much further down the line. And until then, you got to realize he's not going to suit up for the Browns. And where does that leave Cleveland? Well, you're rolling with Jacoby Brissett at that point. By the way, Jacoby Brissett, how does that dude keep lucking into starting gigs? It seems like wherever he goes, he ends up starting by hook or by crook, and I don't know how. There is no one more fortunate in the NFL at the quarterback position than Jacoby Brissett because he never signs anywhere to go be the starter, but somehow he always ends up being the starter.
0: Right place at the right time. No doubt about it. Yeah. And again, that's only a hypothetical. I really don't see that there's a path. I think there are roadblocks on every path for Baker to come back to Cleveland. But it would be interesting because let's see if he played well and he got the Browns somehow, you know, to the playoffs again, had a great season. People would say, man, what a pro. You know, he swallowed his pride, came back and played. But at the same time, let's say you're in your situation in a job and they come to me. Uh, And say, Steely, you know what, dude, you're getting old, you got some memory loss, you get this summer cold, seriously, you can't even be in studio, I mean, we're going to have to put you out the pasture. We've got a young kid coming over from the OUJ school, and, uh, you know, we we think we've got this deal worked out. All right, I, I might be pretty upset about that. And then if, they, if that it'll deal didn't work out and they came back and said, Steely, you know all that stuff we said? Nah, we didn't mean it. Can you come back? You would have a hard time making that call, right? We're all human. We all have our pride. Pride, you know, gets in your way a lot of times, most of the time. But at the same time, it, it might be difficult to just immediately say, yeah, no problem. So, anyway. All right. Uh, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Great Sooner. Great company. You need your AC worked on. Like I said, we're kind of in a... Uh, uh, a period right now, man. Where you're look at your AC as a starting pitcher, and right now is the time to rest your starting pitcher. And get it tuned up. Work on the arm a little bit. Get that A.C. tune up right now because it's going to be back in the 90s in the next couple days. You know it's going to be back in the triple digits soon. Do it right now. Give Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems a call. 405-579-3113. That is 405-579-3113. Just underway here on a Tuesday. Let's talk about the Longhorns, another five-star since Arch Manning made his decision Texas has seven new commits. We'll talk about that more when we get back here on The Ref. Tuesday here on Steelman and Thune at noon on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. I'm uh, back home again today. Still have this uh, ridiculous summer cold. It's so annoying. It's so very annoying. Anyway, uh, my head feels so swollen. It's kind of like if you look back at the early pictures of Barry Bonds when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates and he had a normal-sized head. And then you look at the later pictures of Barry Bonds when he's got the HGH head. I, I'm currently latter-day Barry Bonds. Uh, it's it's just the congestion that's such a pain. Anyway, good to have you with us. We've got Sean Clinch, Longhorn Insider, to talk about what's going on with Texas. Obviously getting a lot of... Uh, A lot of good vibes from Arch Manning's uh, commitment recently. And uh, Parker, the latest five-star safety, Derek Williams Jr. out of New Iberia, Louisiana, committing to the Horns. And that moves Texas now to, uh, I think Texas is, yes, their third nationally, 15 commits total. And uh, Sark and the Horns right now, they're on a roll.
1: They are, Mike. And, look, I feel as though – I need to just go ahead and point out the fact that Texas has never struggled to recruit because there are some OU fans right now, whether on the message boards or on social media or on the text line or wherever that are freaking out about how well Texas is recruiting and how Oklahoma is falling behind. And I feel it necessary to remind everyone at this juncture that Texas's issues over the last decade have not boiled down to recruiting. The ability to recruit has never left the 40 acres. Regardless of who's been the head coach, regardless of what the staff composition has looked like, Texas has always recruited elite talent. They've just never developed elite talent to the point where they had zero NFL draft picks in April. So you are seeing the arch effect. And credit where credit is due, the Texas staff has done an outstanding job on the recruiting trail over the last week or so, and their long, long pursuit of Arch eventually paid off in the form of not just a commitment from him, but a trickle-down effect with several offensive line commits that you saw pop on Sunday, a couple wide receivers, and then obviously five-star safety Derek Williams, the one you just mentioned, Mike. But does this change anything for the Longhorns? I'm not convinced it does. This team, excels, it, right? this team Show excels. This team excels at me. winning the months of March through July. That is where Texas football is at its best. And you look back at some of the recruiting classes. You look back at some of the talent that they have put together on the forty acres in years past. This is not out of the. Re- this is not out of the ordinary for Texas. This is generally what they do. They recruit very well. Nobody does less with more than Texas. And until we see it on the field, don't buy it. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. And the thing that you
0: mentioned that is absolutely incredible, think about the recruiting classes they have and for Texas, not to have an NFL draft pick? I mean, that that might be the most amazing stat of the NFL draft last year. I mean, it, it shows you, again, you've got to develop these guys. You're right. And Sooner fans, you're going to have to bank on that. Now, again, Oklahoma's going to get some five stars. They're going to get some four stars. They're not going to be 38th nationally in recruiting for that long. Uh, we talked about this is a marathon, not a sprint for Oklahoma. Now, will they finish ahead of Texas in the national rankings? Probably not. But – uh here's where I'm sure Oklahoma fans are freaking out right now, Parker. Arch Manning's a big name, so that creates that. Then they see seven new commitments for the Horns. Texas is up to number three nationally behind Ohio State and Notre Dame. And then they look at the Big 12 rankings, and they see the Sooners seventh in the Big 12. Uh, but here's what you need to look at, and I know you've talked about this a lot, the average. Texas is number one in their average at 91.34. Oklahoma is second average at eighty nine point two six, not too far behind texas so they're second only to texas in the average they're seventh in the in the rankings right now because again they only have eight commitments in a lot of other schools texas tech has almost a full class already texas is up to 15 so explain what the average
1: is all about so the average uh when you're looking at the recruiting rankings there are two things you have to pay attention to obviously the overall composite score totals out uh, it, And I don't know exactly what the algorithm is. I'm not a math person. I don't pretend to be one, so I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds on that. Basically, as a program accumulates recruits, especially blue-chip ones, that commit to that institution, your composite team ranking score is going to go up. You get more players, you get more talent, you get more points in the team recruiting rankings. What you also have to take a look at, though, beyond just the number that you see, the aggregate number that it spits out, is you also have to take a look at the commit average. Now, let me provide you a couple of examples. Right now, Texas, with 15 commits, has a commit average of 91.34, which means, on average, they are signing a player who has a numerical rating on a scale of 0 to 100, Of 91.34. Now, this accounts for a lot of the inflation that you see when programs just get a whole bunch of commitments and rise in the recruiting rankings by virtue of sheer mass. So for instance, Texas Tech has 21 commits, the number eight class right now in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings, but their average commit rating is only 87.7. Same thing with Cincinnati, 20 commits at number nine in the team recruiting rankings. Their average commit is only 87.6 Northwestern is number 10 20 commits only 87.1 so you go further down and you look at some of these teams that Oklahoma is in the same ballpark as you look at teams like Miami and like Florida and like Texas A&;M and like Michigan and like LSU They don't have nearly as many commits, but what they do have is a significantly higher average commit ranking. So right now Mm -hmm. Texas A&M only has six commits. The number 47 class, but their average, 90.8. LSU, six commits. Number 46, 91.3. Oklahoma, eight commits. Number 38 class, their average, 89.3. So, it... Basically, what I'm trying to get at here is there are a lot of ways to look at recruiting rankings. There's no exact science, and at the end of the day, you can bring in all the talent in the world, but if you don't develop it and you don't get the best ball out of your players, you're not going to be successful. For Oklahoma, here's what is important to keep in mind at this juncture as Texas begins to take off on the recruiting trail. Texas has out-recruited Oklahoma virtually every year for the last decade. That's nothing new. Oklahoma has supremely outperformed Texas on the actual football field most every year for the last decade.
0: Yeah, and that, that's the bottom line. It's about player development, uh, your culture, and we've known in Austin that uh, getting getting the talent there to the 40 acres has never been an issue. And uh, one of the things to me, I've always said, look, I, I'm born and raised in Norman, graduated from OU, been following OU football all my life. It's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing, and but it's still pretty amazing to me that the University of Oklahoma has seven national championships and Texas has four. And again, a lot of those championships came as a result of recruiting the state of Texas. But when you have that state, look, Austin, yeah, keep Austin weird and all that stuff. Maybe it's Berkeley Southwest, whatever you think, but it's still a great city, and uh, Texas is a really well-thought-of university. And uh, they're always going to be able to get players. So the Sooners have done, uh, you know, it's remarkable. uh, Over the years, what Oklahoma has done again to have three more national championships than Texas. And again, Oklahoma still recruits at a high level. But Texas, every single year, is going to bring in a really good class. And this year, uh you know who knows it might end up being the number one overall class uh they're third right now behind ohio state and notre dame but we've preached this for a while now and parker knows better than i do but because of oklahoma's philosophy and the way they're approaching recruiting it is going to be a kick down the stretch kind of uh you know class for oklahoma because of the way they've set up these kids and the commitments you know if you want to commit to us you really want to be committed you got to you know you, you won't take any more visits. And if you want to take your visits, go ahead. We feel like we've got the best place for you to be, but go ahead and take your visits. Um, so there's really no pressure for these kids to commit. And um, that's why we thought this might be a sort of a long, drawn out process for Oklahoma. So I wouldn't freak yet. And guess what? Texas is going to have a good class next year, the year after that. The question is. Will the Longhorns continue to get their own way with booster involvement and, you know, changing coaching staffs? You know, Sark's first year was a disaster. Obviously, he did a great job recruiting Arch Manning, and they're putting together a good class, but we still got to re- see the results on the field and certainly in the Cotton Bowl. All right. All right. Uh, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, our first-hour sponsor. You need the AC tune-up done, give him a call, 405-579-3113, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Let's come back, talk a little Texas football. Sean Clinch will tell us about, you know, Arch Mania when we get back right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Back with you on Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Tuesday's going well. We are going to get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here in a bit. 405 651 3439. That's 405 651 3439. Beats and Bites is back at Riverwind Casino. The next show up on the docket, the Randy Rogers Band on July 9th. You can get your tickets right now online at Riverwind.com. That'll be a heck of a show. Number one, you'll have all the great food trucks, all the best local food trucks out there retail vendors games for the kids the great beers from coop ale works will be available bring your folding chairs have a great time and then they have a fireworks show right after the randy rogers band appearance on july 9th so come celebrate america again july 9th randy rogers band and the fireworks display at riverwind and then july 30th we'll wrap up beats and bites 2022 with another great show scotty mccreary will be on the beats and Bites stage july 30th get your tickets for both of these shows right now Online at Riverwind.com. Or if you're going out to the casino, just stop by the uh, box office there by the Showplace Theater. Pick up your tickets uh, there. It's a great time. You'll have a wonderful time if you haven't been out to Beats and Bites, It is really a lot of fun. And, again, uh, what a bargain that July 9th show is with a Randy Rogers band and the fireworks for only 5 bucks per ticket. That's a heck of a deal. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. We bring in on the Riverwind Hotline at 405 329 our friend from Austin, former Oklahoma City sportscaster, Mr. Sean Clinch. Sean, welcome aboard. Appreciate your time. Uh, tell us about Archmania there in Austin. They, they're, they're going crazy, I guess.
2: <laughs> hey, Steely man. Always good to hear your voice and always good to be back on the Oklahoma Airways, if you will. I'm actually on the square in Georgetown, Texas at the moment, and I think it's fitting. You I, I know, I was having lunch on the square here outside, and I'm not making this up. Twice I heard people walking by, Manning, Manning, Arch, Archie, Peyton, Eli, and it, it's really caught on. And, and I, I'm really not making that up. So it was kind of fitting that I overheard that because there are still people trying to figure it out. Will he decommit? And I would say with the 99% positivity that Arch is not from the family and, and the type of uh, pride and indignity they have, he's going to be a longhorn unless something just ridiculously catastrophic happens with the Texas football program. But it has, it's kind of laughable, Steely. I mean, in all your years following college football recruiting, mainly OU and OSU and including Texas. Have you ever seen uh, that trigger guy or the domino being art for this one in Texas? It, it was like six, seven, eight, nine commitments in the last 36 hours. Have you ever seen anything like that? I find it. To be I, I can't remember. Because-
0: I mean, I'm trying to think if that happened with Chris Sims when he signed. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember it being that big of a fact. I know Oklahoma obviously has had some quarterbacks. Caleb Williams uh, did a lot, yeah. but I don't know that I can remember that many. Parker Thun's my partner here on the broadcast now. Parker, what about you? Do you remember any. Any quarterback having this big of effect uh, this early after an announcement?
1: I have not seen a domino effect that compares to this one that we've seen with the Texas Longhorns over the last three to four days. And I, I I think that tells you all you need to know about how much sway the Manning name carries. You don't need to look any further than that to explain why Texas has seen such a surge on the recruiting trail in the aftermath of Arch's commitment.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. It's a, It's one of those... Nowadays you, you really have to sign two or three of those types because of the transfer portal, because NIL, I mean, the ability, it is a Hollywood act. Now I'm going to show you what I have You all the arms race, Oklahoma, Texas, even Oklahoma state. You've got to figure out that edge. Now it's much different guys. I mean, especially Steely and I, we got to get used to this. I'm I don't want to think that I'm old and passed up, but I'm trying to adjust to this <laughs> this modern-day recruiting. It, it's mm-hmm. different, Dealey. It really is.
0: Yeah, it is. And, you know, Texas, they just got Quinn Ewers back from Ohio State, and people are pumped up about yeah. that. And, you know, uh, there's a thought out there, I know Parker's talking about this, that the plan would be for Quinn Ewers to play a couple years and then bring Arch Manning in. But yeah. at the same time, you know, who knows how this is going to work out? Do you, do you foresee both those guys, uh, or you know, making that situation work, or do you think this will be a battle early? Maybe that Manning might have a chance. How do you see it um, unfolding there?
2: Well, I've had to lean on some, I say, some uh, unconventional resources nowadays because I, I'm on a different different type of media now with the podcast, stepped away from traditional media. Um, I've talked to a lot of high school football coaches who have been at those practices, who have had their kids recruited by Texas. And, you know, a bunch of them, and I'm not making this up. A, a lot of people said, you know what a lot of Texas fans need to realize is don't, sleep on Hudson Card or Malik Murphy, the big guy from quarterback who just signed out of California, meaning Malik will have his day, but he may be one of those guys that sees opportunities to transfer elsewhere. But Hudson Card, maybe the game slows down for him. But I I, I mean, I know I would go ahead and say that Quinn is probably going to be the starter. But it's, it does, it's nothing's guaranteed from all the information that I've gathered that Quinn's the guy. I mean, who's to say Quinn comes out, gets into some problems early on? I mean, we got Alabama game, too. And the offensive line's not repaired yet. They have tremendous, tremendous freshman offensive linemen coming in. But they don't develop into great offensive line overnight. I mean, you guys have been down that road before.
1: No doubt, Sean. And here's here's where I want to go here uh, with regard to the conversation. You take a look at what Texas is getting in Arch Manning. You take a look at what they've already gotten in Quinn Ewers. Two of the most ballyhooed prospects in the history of the modern recruiting era. Now, Steve Sarkeesian, as a second-year head coach, is a guy that just went 5-7 and seven in his first campaign as Texas's head coach, uh, sure, you know he's got a little juice, and Texas has some momentum on the recruiting trail. But this also creates a ton of pressure for this program to figure it out and figure it out quickly, doesn't it?
2: Yep, yeah, yeah, I agree. You're 100. percent I mean, I think I don't think he's going to be a three-year-and-out type guy. I think the fan base here and the big money, the boosters, and I and I I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Have really identified who they really are. Does that make sense? What when you say when you hear we're Texas, I think the people who think what they thought Texas was, they're realizing it's not who they thought it was. If that makes sense, okay. meaning they're committing to Sark long term, and long term is five years. Uh, it, but he can't go five and seven again. But I'm just saying, I don't. I think people realize. Mm-hmm. When they say we're Texas, what does that mean? We're not who we thought we were. Can we be that program? Absolutely. But there's been some humbling. A lot of humble pie has been eaten and acknowledgement of that humble pie that it's on the table has been has been accepted here recently. That's that's my translation of what it's like here in Austin.
0: All right, Sean Clinch, our guest, Longhorn Insider, former Oklahoma City sportscaster and all around good guy. And uh, that's the question, I guess, always, Sean, because, you know, Parker and I were just talking about this. Texas is always going to bring in players and really good recruiting yeah. classes. Can they coach them up? Can the boosters stay out of the way? Can, can the administration get out of the way? That's always the question with Texas. And uh, do you think that's, uh, that's possible that, that can happen in the near future because we haven't seen it happen recently. There's no doubt about it. I've
2: There's been progress on that front. I know that for a fact. I, I do know that there's been progress on that. Um, I have had uh, some candid conversations with two of the quote, big money donors. You see the acronym BMD. That's what that means. Um, and they, they acknowledge who they are, but they also say they have patience that they believe Steve and this staff that he's assembled. I mean, he's gone out and got the, the best coaches. I mean, Tashar Choice, a former Sooner, who finished at Georgia Tech with a Dallas Cowboy, great running back coach, Brendan Marion, the receivers coach from Pitt. I mean, there's a ton of energy on both sides of the ball. And when, and when I say – Development. Development for this program, and you're going to lie, is eight wins this year. Seven to eight wins. Year three is when they, they jump back on the scene. Now, I could be eating my words and they win nine or ten. But I think acceptable from Texas this year by those people that you just mentioned, seven or eight wins.
0: Interesting. That would be uh, very interesting. And uh, I I like the Sark hire. I was really surprised, you know, with how it unraveled last year. Of course, losing at home to Kansas. You had the pole assassin and Gia the monkey and all kinds of crazy stuff. But (laughs) I I still think that could end up being a really good hire in Austin. But we'll have to wait and see. Clencher, we love you, man, and we appreciate your time. And, yeah, we'll be talking again soon, all right?
2: 100% and if you guys get a chance, man, jump on the stories. Inside the Man Cave podcast on Facebook or YouTube. And uh, I'm warning you, Steely, and you guys, I'm I'm planning a visit here this summer. I'll come see you guys.
0: There you go. Stories Inside the Man Cave is the podcast that uh, our man Sean Clinch is hosting. Appreciate it, Sean. We'll talk again soon.
2: Much love, fellas.
0: Sean Clinch, our guest, what a good guy he is. And, uh, again, yeah, that's the question. Can, you know. Sean Clinch is saying some of the boosters saying, "Yeah, we're going to be patient, but yeah, we'll see. We we will see again. Uh, I gotta I gotta see it to believe it from the folks in Austin. We'll take a break right here. Thank you again to Lasher Home Comfort Systems. You need help with your heating and air conditioning system? How reliable was Tim Lasher as a Sooner kicker? Straight through the upright. Sooner magic every time, right? Same with this company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Four oh five. 579 3113. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. It is a Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. And uh, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Parker, 405 651 3439. That's 405 651 3439. What do we have?
1: Well, Mike, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people freaking out about texas and their recruiting um us I, I, I just need to hit a couple of these from the crimson chicken littles uh spare me the excuses parker would rather have the talent that texas has in their class than what ou has right now the kind of commits we've been getting lately aren't going to compete with the kinds of players alabama georgia and ohio states of the world get if things continue this way we will quickly become the next ole miss or tennessee in the sec uh, I looked back at this particular texter's text history, and literally all they've ever done is text, the sky is falling in recruiting to some degree or another. So uh, not surprised to see that come across the wire. But seriously, seriously, you'd rather have the talent that Texas has in their class than what OU has right now. I understand a guy like Derek Williams is probably somebody that, if you're an OU fan, You look at that, you're like, okay, we'd like to have that guy. Makes a lot of sense to get a four-star, or excuse me, a five-star safety in the fold. That's the type of player that you would love to have regardless of who your team is. But, I'm just going to say this. Three of the offensive linemen that Texas got committed on Sunday were guys that Bill Biedenboe evaluated and decided not to offer, i.e. decided they weren't good enough to play ball at Oklahoma. Now, it's nothing against those three guys I know them all personally they're really good players they're really good kids Bill Biedenboe didn't want them and so if that's if that's how you want to look at this you want to look at what Texas has accumulated and say I'd rather have those guys than the guys that OU has evaluated and has decided to take on the recruiting trail I can't help you at that point you're just looking for something to complain about
0: well, and uh, you know, obviously, people look at the star rankings, and uh, we knew we knew this was going to happen. And look, uh, bottom line is Texas is recruiting very well. I mean, there's there's no doubt if you if you want to look at uh, you know where they are nationally, number three, where the Sooners are right now at 38. But we talked about this is going to be a longer haul for Oklahoma, and guess what? Texas will probably wind up. You know, they could have the number one class in the country when it's all said and done. But the Sooners. I think Oklahoma fans will feel, you know, better once they see their national ranking coming up, son. And you you would be – would you be shocked if Oklahoma had a class that ended up outside the top ten before it, when it's all said and done?
1: Yes, I would be surprised if that happens because I okay. do think they are poised to make a lot of noise in the month of July. One of our listeners on the text line says, where do you think Derek LeBlanc is going? Uh, look, I'll say what I said last night to our VIPs at OUinsider.com, which, by the way, if you want the scoop on recruiting, head there, jump on board. First month is just a dollar if you join today. So that is the place to be for all the recruiting scoop for myself and Brandon Drum. Uh, but what I said last night, and I'll rehash it here on the radio, is that I uh, want to make two things abundantly clear. One. All the most reliable intel I have right now suggests that Oklahoma is going to be the spot for Derek LeBlanc. And two, I don't take any intel as gospel with regard to that recruitment and that individual because Derek LeBlanc's recruitment is one of the most well-camouflaged recruitments that I have ever covered, that any of my peers and colleagues have ever covered. No one is going to know with 100% certainty – where he goes, until the second he puts on the hat. I can promise you that. Right now, right now, if you put a gun to my head, I would say I think it's Oklahoma. I'm not at all confident in that. And I'd only say OU is the leader, and I'd only say Derek LeBlanc is going to OU if you legitimately put a gun to my head, because that's how well camouflaged this all has been.
0: And he is the defensive lineman out of the state of Florida. And is it uh, the Gators and
1: um, and OU? Is it down in Oklahoma, Florida battle, you think? Oklahoma, Florida, and Penn State. Those are Derek LeBlanc's top three. So it'll be one Mm -hmm. of those Okay.
0: Well, and that would be a great get for Oklahoma, no doubt. Uh, So once again, we'll see what happens with uh, Derek LeBlanc, the uh, defensive lineman, you know. Um Sooner fans, again, <laughs> they, they want some more news. They got a little bit of news. They got some commitments rolling in. And then this Arch Manning thing happened, and the floodgates opened to Texas. And, again, the Longhorns now have seven new commitments uh, since uh, Arch Manning's decision. Real quick, I know we've got about a minute left. This Musa Kane commitment, the safety from New Jersey, uh, committing to Duke, uh,
1: was Oklahoma – Was were they expected there? Is this a big deal? What do you think? Uh no, not a big deal at all. OU had offered him, but they had cooled on him. Uh he long ago had said his final three was Oklahoma, Penn State, and Duke. Uh my vibe on that recruitment was always that he wasn't gonna end up being a take at either Oklahoma or Penn State. So Duke was probably gonna end up being the spot. Lo and behold, That is what happened. Oklahoma has much bigger fish to fry at the safety position. We've talked about Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates, the two teammates of Jackson Arnold, both four-star defensive backs at Denton-Geyer High School. OU is working ardently to flip both of those guys, and there's a very good chance they do so.
0: All right, we'll get more texts in next hour, 405-651-3439. That is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Our thanks to Lasher Home Comfort System, sponsoring our first hour here on Steelman and Thule on the Ref Radio Network. On a Tuesday, we have another hour to go. Eric Bailey from the Tulsa World joins us next hour. Keep it right here on the Ref. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. You want a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV? Well, it's the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Remember, exit 72, Paul's Valley, and a great guarantee of oil changes, engines, for life on newer, used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. So our thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Pauls Valley. Uh, 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. You want to hit us up on the text line, feel free. 405-329-9000 on the Riverwind Casino hotline. So we've got Tuesday underway. I'm still liking this, 82 degrees. I will take 82 degrees on uh, June 28th. Every day, right? I mean, that's that's a good temperature right there. I'll take that. I will take that, definitely. Okay, um, so, Parker, what else is happening in the world of recruiting? We've talked about everything happening with Texas, obviously, with uh, this five-star safety, Derek Williams, Jr., out of New Iberia, Louisiana, uh, committing to the Longhorns, bringing their commitment total to 15 now. They're number three nationally behind the uh, – Ohio State and Notre Dame. The Sooners currently are residing at 38th nationally. Texas has seven more commitments than Oklahoma. OU's recruiting average is still pretty good per player. A little bit behind Texas, but still up there in a a pretty good area. So, again, it's all about the Sooners, you know, uh, this is a a marathon kind of situation, more so with Oklahoma than the way a lot of these other schools are approaching their recruiting. So, But you have been saying July, there are some some potential uh, things happening for Oklahoma and some good news maybe in the pipeline for Oklahoma where Sooner fans... (laughs) Can maybe uh, quit freaking out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what you think? What the next two or three weeks that Oklahoma fans will be uh, smiling again?
1: Yeah, no doubt. And look, I can't say this enough: using recruiting to compare Oklahoma with Texas is just a terrible measuring stick, and has been. And hopefully, people are smarter than that. Hopefully, people look at the last decade of football that both of those programs have played. And conclude that, okay, we probably shouldn't let recruiting rankings determine whether we feel better about Oklahoma or Texas as a program in the short term or in the long run, because regardless of the fact that Texas has out recruited Oklahoma year after year, Oklahoma has outperformed Texas year after year. So, yes, uh, that, I just wanted to say that right off the bat. Please don't take a look at the recruiting rankings and start to freak out about whether Texas is going to overtake Oklahoma as a powerhouse program and relegate OU to the dung heat, because that's just not going to happen. Now, as for the next couple of weeks, I do think Oklahoma is going to be on, how do I phrase this? I think within the next two weeks, there's a very good chance that Oklahoma has as many as four to five additional commitments. And you have a date set from Samuel Omasego, Thursday, June 30th, so just a couple days from now. uh, Oklahoma is favored in that recruitment. You have Caden Green scheduled to decide on July 8th. That is another one in which Oklahoma is heavily favored. Other guys that I could see announcing within that time frame that I think Oklahoma is very much in play for and could be the destination for include Dalen Smothers, four-star running back out of North Carolina. Jaquase Petaway, four-star wide receiver out of Houston, Texas. PJ Adebare, guy we've talked about a lot, four-star edge rusher out of North Kansas City. Jacoby Johnson, four-star defensive back out of Mustang, Oklahoma. And so looking to the immediate future and the beginning half of the month of July, I think you're not too far off from seeing Oklahoma start to make some big-time moves on the recruiting trail such that they're going to close the gap between them and the Peloton right now atop the recruiting rankings, the likes of Notre Dame and Ohio State and Texas. And I will just come out and say it. Texas is probably going to have a better recruiting class than Oklahoma. I just need everybody to be prepared for that. They got the number one player in the nation last week in Arch Manning, and we can. Quibble till the cows come home about whether he's really the number one player in the nation. But he is the crown jewel of the class. The class is going to be pretty dang good. Texas is in all likelihood going to out-recruit Oklahoma. The sky is not falling if that happens. Yeah, and and I think, again, if the Sooners
0: end up in the top ten, as you think they will when it's all said and done, then OU fans will feel pretty good about it. I think they see Texas at three right now and Oklahoma at 38. And no matter how much we tell them, you know, it's a a different uh, process now for Oklahoma. It's going to take longer. They still see that, and they're like, OMG. And Arch Manning, of course, uh, provided the – the exclamation point there when he made his announcement. And now Texas has had seven new uh, commitments roll in since Arch Manning made his decision. Okay, let's say that Oklahoma gets the sweep of the names you mentioned. Omisego, Dalen Smothers, uh, Pettaway, um, P.J. whatever's. how do you pronounce it? Adebayo. <laughs> Adebayo. 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 Uh, and they get Jacoby Johnson. Uh, where would that vault Oklahoma nationally uh, if they sweep uh, the names that you mentioned?
1: Yeah, well, that would put them within the top ten, and mm-hmm. they'd be knocking on the door of a top five class if that were to happen. So, again, I I know it's hard to play the waiting game. I know it's hard to be patient, but one of the things that I will continue to remind people of is that the recruiting rankings are highly fluid until about. December to January, that's really when they start to solidify and you really have a concrete idea of who's going to have a good class, who's going to have a bad class, who's going to have an average class. But it's not just Oklahoma that's lagging right now on the recruiting trail and in the recruiting rankings. We talked about some of those programs earlier that have been slower to start their role as well. Michigan, Texas A&M, Alabama, Um. I'm trying to think who else, Florida, Miami as well. So there are a lot of big name programs right now across the country that are down in the 40s and 50s even in the recruiting rankings. And that's going to change. Inevitably, it will change. The recruiting rankings, for the most part, look about the same every single year. It's always the same 10 or 15 programs that occupy the upper echelon. So I assure you. Regardless of how much of a freak out there is at this point in time, one, there are other fan bases across the country experiencing what you as Sooners fans are experiencing. And two, at the end of the day, it's all going to be a moot point in December when OU signs what I believe will be a top 10 class.
0: Yeah, does uh, Dale and some others have a brother, by the way, that we know of?
1: Smother, oh, you, you're thinking Smothers Brothers.
0: Yes, we need the Smothers Brothers, definitely. No oh. doubt. If, if all the olds out there know what I'm talking about, I mean, if OU could have the Smothers Brothers, not only a great comedy team back in the
1: day. Uh, speaking but, of uh, comedy, we just got a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh-oh, I uh-oh. just can't get on board that BV can beat Texas in the direction they are going.
0: Well, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. I, you know, we, we all think that Brent's going to be an excellent head coach, certainly has all the qualities. He's got a great resume. He's got a championship uh, pedigree. And uh, I, I love, you know, the way they're going about their business with his coaching staff. We, I mean, we don't know how it's going to play out. I think Oklahoma's going to be fine in the long run. It's going to be obviously a lot rockier road, uh, once you get at the SEC and you know you hope the uh, playoff expands to 12 or to eight because you want uh, you know as good a shot just to get in the playoff as you can. But I don't know. I, I mean, is it always going to trend in the way? Will it always trend in the way that Texas is going to have great players and Oklahoma is going to outcoach Texas and out uh, culture Texas forever? No, we don't know that.
1: but I still uh, I still like Oklahoma's chances. Texas has struggled enough with TCU over the last mm-hmm. decade, so I, I I don't think there are any TCU fans out there freaking out about while, where their recruiting class stands in proximity to Texas is, because in the time that TCU has been in the Big 12, the Horn Frogs have had the upper hand over the Longhorns. This isn't going to change overnight. Arch Manning does not completely alter and seismically shift the direction of the Texas Longhorns football program. And if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, Texas's issues have never been their ability to acquire elite talent on the recruiting trail. That has never been the issue with Texas. Yeah, I think
0: there is a little bit of – I don't know if paranoia is the right word, but maybe a thought from some Sooner fans out there that one day, if Texas really gets its act together, that could be something special there. And it has been in the past. Daryl Royal won national championships, obviously. Mack won his with Vince Young, who transformed that program. Um, But, again, for the most part, at least, you know, uh, it seems like almost since Bob Stoops got the job at Oklahoma, it's been um, Oklahoma, you know, just having guys who play better football. And, again, this, look, not like the Sooners didn't have Adrian Peterson and Sam Bradford and Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and they had a bunch of great players as well. But if we just thought about, man, okay, Texas, look at this class, Man. They've got all these guys again, and, yeah, we've got a pretty good class, but it's not quite Texas's class. It hasn't mattered. The Sooners have played better football and won their fair share there in the Cotton Bowl. So, again, I've I've got to see it to believe it with Texas that they can develop these guys. And maybe this will eventually be the staff that develops these kids. Five and seven wasn't very good last year, you know. I thought – I thought it would be better than that. I didn't expect that Texas is going to go out and win nine or ten games. But, again, um, we'll see. And, again, as Clincher said, Sean Clinch on with us last hour, remember Texas gets uh, a pretty good measuring stick in week two when they play Alabama in Austin. All right, thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Pauls Valley. We'll get back to the text line 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. That's 405 405- or if you want to go old school, uh, we'll take a phone call, climb that telephone pole, pick up the phone, dial your rotary phone if you still have one. See, I'm old enough to remember dialing on a rotary phone, but however you want to call us, uh, the Riverwind hotline is 405-329-9000. We've got Eric Bailey coming up here in about 20 minutes. We'll talk Sooner Sports, College World Series, and Oklahoma football and more with Eric on the way. More of your text coming up next. And is there a new commissioner on the way to the Big 12? It looks that way. We'll talk about that when we get back. We are back. I'm Mike Steely with Parker Thune. Parker's back in the brown haber studios. I am home again today, nursing this summer cold. I don't want to spread it around. It's very, very contagious and very much a pain in the uh, dairy air. How we doing on this Tuesday? Appreciate you guys hitting us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Riverwind Casino, outdoors, food trucks, great music. How about a fireworks display and some great craft beer? That's the recipe at Chips and Ales Indoors. And the recipe outdoors, Beats and Bites. You can get all of that. At Beats and Bites, the outdoor concert series, ladies and gentlemen. And we have another big show happening on July 9th. The Randy Rogers Band will be on the Beats and Bites stage, and they'll have an incredible fireworks show after their performance from the Randy Rogers band. That is happening on July 9th. Now, all the best local food trucks are out there. You got retail vendors, games for the kids. Bring your pull-up folding chairs. Have a great time. All the great uh, craft beer from Coop Ale Works. You know what Coop does? Great local brewing company. They've got the Coop Ale House uh, inside Riverwind, a great bar. Randy Rogers Band, though, July 9th. And again, fireworks display to follow. So you can celebrate America all over again on July 9th with the Randy Rogers Band and the fireworks show. Get your individual tickets online at Riverwind.com. That is at Riverwind.com. And then one more show to wrap up Beats and Bites 2022. That will be the Scotty McCreary show on July 30th. Again, these are these are bargained tickets. Five bucks a piece, particularly for Randy Rogers. And not, not downplaying Scotty McCreary at all, but you get Randy Rogers and the best fireworks display in the metro area. For five bucks for each individual ticket. One of the reasons, again, why Riverwind is simply the best. Okay, so I'm hearing, Parker, that uh, Brett Yormark, the Chief Operating Officer of uh, Jay-Z's Rock Nation, is likely to be the next Big 12 Commissioner, hearing that it's it's close to being a done deal. What do you think of that? How kind of outside wild the box. is that,
1: Mike. That's way outside the box.
0: It is. It is. It's about as far outside the box as you can get. But, you know, the the Big 12 has long been way too reactive and not proactive. And Bob Bowlesby's a a smart guy, and, yes, he got hit in the head with a two-by-four by by Oklahoma and Texas last year, blindsided on that deal. But maybe he shouldn't have been blindsided on that deal based on – uh you know what had happened with the contracts i i think they knew that oklahoma and texas weren't just doing backflips over their situation in the big 12 but this is a new world new technology nil um, social media is so important all of that stuff and change happens very quickly and i can tell you man when you get older change is more difficult I, you know, I'm getting there where, you know, I'm keeping up as best I can. I think I, for my age, I think I keep up with it pretty well technology-wise. But, man, you better be on top of it. And uh, this Brett Yormark might just be the guy that can get that done because the Big 12 needs to get more innovative. They need to get a little bit younger with the commissioner. Uh, I'm not sure what this guy's age is, but if he's working with Jay-Z, he's probably got uh, a lot of youthful ideas, I would think.
1: Brett Yormark. This is I uh, here's the thing. If there were odds on who the next Big 12 commissioner would be, <laughs> I'm not sure Brett Yormark would have been anywhere close to on the board before 18 hours ago. Right. Like this yeah. is to be I I like it too, Mike. And here's why. Cuz if you're the Big 12, you kind of got to go out of the box right now. You kind of got to make a move that's off the beaten path. Because what you're in danger of is being left behind. You're in danger of losing your status as a Power 5 program to the point where we have a Power 4 in college football. Because you look at what the new Big 12 is going to look like top to bottom. There's no powerhouse in that conference. There's no school that you'd even figure, okay, yep, they're going to be in contention for a college football playoff berth. The second that the new Big 12 takes shape. Even with teams like the ACs, or even with conferences, excuse me, like the ACC and the Pac 12. At the ACC, you got Clemson. Miami seems to be headed in an exciting direction. NC State is a sleeper team. And on the Pac 12 side, you got Oregon. I love where that program's headed under Dan Lanning. You got Muleshoe and USC. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have Kyle Whittingham in Utah who have been as consistent a college football program over the last 15 years as anybody, although it hasn't really materialized in them quite attaining the next level and kicking it into that fifth gear just yet. For the new Big 12, I think there's a very good chance that the cream of the crop in that new conference, Mike, is Baylor, and that's no knock on Baylor but when Baylor is your calling card as a conference, you're a little bit behind the curve. I think it's a it's a battle between uh, Oklahoma
0: State, Baylor, uh, maybe Cincinnati gets in the mix. Uh, I don't know. We'll see if Luke Fickle can pick that up. They had a lot of guys drafted last year. Um I don't know, at BYU, at Houston, UCF. You know, it's going to be very interesting. It's it's a real good opportunity for Oklahoma State, though. You know, uh, this is your chance. You step out of the Sooners' shadow, um, and you've got a chance to be the best program in that league. But Dave Aranda's got something going on at Baylor, and we'll see if they can keep that up. But, yeah, who emerges? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll be a conference where – You know, it goes back and forth, and and maybe one of those programs doesn't emerge as the dominant program in the new league. I can kind of see it uh, maybe swapping back and forth between Baylor, OSU, and maybe somebody else in the mix. Who would be the other team in the mix if you had to pick one uh, besides Baylor or Oklahoma State?
1: Houston. Who would you? Houston. Houston? Well, I'd take that back. I'd take that back. I think it's UCF.
0: Well, they've got a, a large, rec- fertile recruiting, yeah, and, I and think, they've got a huge uh, student base too. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a. When you put the uh, that program in a better conference, and again, the Big Twelve is still a Power Five conference. It's certainly gonna, not going to be as strong without Oklahoma, Texas, but it'll be interesting if that takes that program to even a higher level, Parker.
1: Yeah, well, I think with UCF the reality is that is the largest university in terms of total enrollment in the entire country. And so when you have so much critical mass and you have a state in Florida that has produced so much elite high school football talent over the years, and you now have the claim of being a power five program, I can see UCF taking a big step, step up. Same thing with Houston, especially with Dana Holgerson at the helm. And uh, for all the crap that we give Dana, he is a good football coach. He's a really good football coach. And when that program ascends to the power five level, kind of like the same phenomenon that you've seen with Houston basketball to a certain extent, once you have a legit once you have legitimate teeth to recruit with, then you have the opportunity to do something pretty special and pretty unprecedented in your program. I'm gonna have to see Houston and UCF ascend to that type of level before I'm gonna predict that it'll happen. But I do like what could potentially be on the table for both of those programs when the move to the big 12 happens and the impact that it could have for both of them as far as recruiting is concerned.
0: Yeah. And, and Houston's had some moments. I can remember, I remember back in the day with um, Bill Yeoman, the father of the Veer offense who uh, had Danny Davis and Robert Newhouse and some really good teams at the university of Houston uh, I think Elvin Bethea may have been uh, All-American there, if I'm not mistaken, from way back when on the defensive side. But they were in the Cotton Bowl every now and then. In fact, it was the Joe Montana comeback, wasn't it? it was against the University of Houston uh, in that Cotton Bowl, one of the uh, legendary Joe Montana comebacks. And I believe Merv Johnson was the OC at Notre Dame at that time. But um, And then uh, you think of Houston also when they had uh, – Andre Ware and David Klingler, and they were scoring, you know, 80 points. They scored 80 points on somebody back in the day, and they were running that uh, run-and-shoot uh, offense. And uh, Andre Ware won a Heisman, obviously. Uh, John Jenkins was a different breed of cat, that's for sure. But uh, the University of Houston has had some moments. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there because you there are a lot of football players that uh, you can get out of the city of Houston, even those that – May go to A and M or Oklahoma or Texas. There's still some left over that end up being pretty good football players, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, can we, completely unrelated? I'm sorry. Can we hit the text line real quick? Because yeah, before go for we it. hit a break, I just I, I I have to get to these and uh, just because they're in such sharp contrast to one another, and it's a conversation that I think OU fans are going to have a blast with. <laughs> one listener says, "Next year is crucial." If Texas beats Alabama, it's over. OU is done. Another listener, virtually simultaneously, sent in this text. I want Texas undefeated entering the Cotton Bowl this fall. 5-0. and oh. When was the last time Texas was undefeated entering the Cotton Bowl? It's been a minute. I think you got to go back to, what, 2008, probably, to find the last time? Uh, well, sounds right.
0: Sounds right, I think. In, in that range, yeah.
1: So I, it's so funny, though, because those texts came in virtually simultaneously. And one's like, <laughs> if Texas beats Alabama, Oklahoma is over. And the other's like, yes, I hope <laughs> Texas beats Alabama. I want them 5 and 0. Oh. Uh,
0: it's too good. I love it. Keep it rolling in, people. 405. 651 3439. I'm sorry, I couldn't breathe there for a minute. 405 651 3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, we appreciate all your input there. All right, let's break right here. Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group. Exit 72 car, trucker, and SUV with a great selection and a great guarantee. You'll find them at the Seth Wadley Auto Group, and that guarantee includes oil changes engines for life on newer use gas or diesel at no additional cost to you that's big time so zary bailey does a great job for the tulsa world we'll get him on when we get back we are back tuesday edition of steel man and thune here on the home of sooner fans the rap radio network we bring in the really good guy and good reporter Good writer Eric Bailey from the Tulsa world and uh, one of the uh, best youth softball coaches in the country, from what I hear, as well. <laughs> How we doing, Eric?
3: I I am talking to you live from Branson, Missouri, where uh, my daughter Mandy's softball team is riding a mountain roller coaster. They're all coming down the mountain. So uh, vacation has wow. started today. I went from Omaha to Branson, so I'm ready for a little bit of downtime. Man. And you agreed to come on
0: with us here on vacation. Now, dad, ladies and gentlemen, no. that's big time right there. All right, before we get into sooner stuff, tell us about your your daughter Mandy because she just threw a perfect
3: game, right? Yeah, we're state tournament uh, last week. Yeah, we won state last week. Our team, Tulsa Eagles 27-28, 12 U team. We won state and uh yeah, she had a great game. She guys, but you know what, it takes a, and honestly, it takes a great defense to throw a perfect game and her defense is second to none. So, team effort, I'm proud of my daughter and now we're at nationals, so we're playing down here. Fifty-five teams in Branson for nationals. We start tonight, and we'll see how long, how far we can go. It's gonna be a lot Patty of fun. Patty Gasso,
0: Patty Gasso, Kenny Guyeski, <laughs> take take note, right? Take note. There you go. All right. Before uh, I, I wanted to make sure we had that in. I, I'm so I'm I'm just so impressed that you agreed to come on vacation. That is big time, Eric. All right. Uh, what about the Sooners run in Omaha? You know, they the, the way they got there and the way it all unfolded. What was your biggest takeaway?
3: You know, it was a team that really overcame so much to get where they're at. You look at it, they never gave up. Uh, and who would have expected them to make it to Omaha midway through the year? It was just incredible how they were able to put everything together and just played so well. in the Big 12 started with the Big 12 tournament and then going into regionals. Uh, you know, Coach said they were a team full of Davids, and they really were when you think about it because they overcame so much. They, they beat some Giants. They made it somewhere where no one thought they'd be. Now, I was just impressed what they were able to do on a weekly basis.
1: Now, Eric, obviously in the aftermath of this College World Series and in the college baseball offseason in general, there's no doubt going to be a lot of conversation surrounding uh, the runner interference rule that came into play Mm -hmm. in the sixth inning of game two where John Spikerman was ruled out upon replay review uh, at first base on a squeeze bunt that would have scored Oklahoma's first run of the game, uh, would have definitely put the Sooners in position, uh, to put more runs on the board in that frame, and that seemed to just kind of take the wind out of Oklahoma's sails there offensively. How impactful do you think that call really was in the grand scheme of this series?
3: It, it just v- so, so impactful. You look at that first and third with uh, one out, and you lay that butt, and you score the run, the run's going to score. And then after the throw, you got runners at second and third with one out still, and the top of the order, or you got Peyton Graham coming to the plate. So they would have been in really good shape then. Instead, you got runners at the corners with two outs. It was just something that they had to overcome, and I don't think they were able to. You saw it going to the next inning when um, you get a home run by an Ole Miss hit on off the and it's one nothing. Instead of being up one nothing with one out and basically runners on the corners, you're down one zero at the end of the inning after a home run. So it really was a momentum shifter.
0: Yeah. What What is your thought, Kate Horton? I had uh, a uh, OU insider tell me yesterday that one scout told him that kate horton could get up to five million dollars but maybe three would be the bottom end uh, so he's got a decision to make and <laughs> sometimes that decision is man that's life-changing money right what do you think's uh, going to happen there what a what a uh, run he went on when you think about how much money he's potentially made for himself in about a month's time
3: no doubt and coming off Tommy John surgery and being as strong as he is you know midway through the season they threw him in the the starting rotation and he came through you know he threw 107 pitches against Ole Miss in that game and really looked strongest strong in the eighth inning too but uh had to turn around and come out and that was a tough break because I really think you know he could have went a little longer but kudos to Skip Johnson he wasn't just thinking uh, of just that game he's thinking about the young man's career and uh it, it, it was tough in hindsight. You can always say, well, maybe they should have did this. But I, I still think Skip Johnson did the right thing in pulling him out. But going back to Cade, yes, uh, he, man, with what he's able to do, and you said life-changing, and that's the deal. If you ever get a life-changing offer, you really got to consider that. So good for him. Talk about
1: life-changing, Eric. How about program changing? Because it really seems like that's what this run for Oklahoma baseball is going to end up being. You're seeing already plans made uh, to enhance the facilities for the sport of baseball, to provide some renovations to Eldale Mitchell Park. And as Oklahoma prepares to make the transition to the SEC, where, of course, baseball is so big, it really does seem like a deep run like this, and a magical, charmed type of season like the one Skip Johnson, in Oklahoma experienced, was just what the doctor ordered.
3: Exactly, Parker. I agree a hundred percent because when you look at what they were able to do, able to win, and show that you can win a national championship at Oklahoma, it's not you know you're, you know it's a baseball school too, it's a football school and it's a baseball school. They proved that. Uh, and you know what? If you're a pitcher and you're looking to really improve your stock and just be a better Player through your college years, Skip. You look at his resume. What he's able to do. You know, Jake Bennett, the starter. He's going to make some money too. He's got some good stuff too, and where he's at now. So I, I really think that the, if you're a pitcher and you want to pitch for one of the best, you go to OU. And uh, Kate Horton. I like you know, Kate Horton. What we just said. We just talked about him a little bit too. So it's uh, David Sandler. I mean, it's, it's crazy how that they they really develop pitchers there. And you know, he's gonna, Skip Johnson is going to probably get attention from some of the recruits. They're going to start paying attention to what he's doing and how he can develop them. That's going to be big as well.
0: Won't be too long, uh, Eric, before uh, Big 12 media days roll around. Uh, if I ask you for three main storylines you're looking at just off the top of your head when you head that way to uh, do all the interviews and hear all the press conferences, what do you think the three storylines would be for you uh, for this <laughs> coming Big 12 football season?
3: That's a great question. You know, I'd have to go first with a uh, new commissioner. What's going to happen with Bob Bolesby? Uh, what's going to happen? Who's going to replace Bob Bowlesby? That's one. And then also, you know, the, the new coach, Brent Venables in Oklahoma, is he going to have OU back where they're, where they're at? Are they going to continue that ride? And uh, three, oh gosh, that's a good one. You know, basically the question that's always going to be out there is when is Oklahoma and Texas going to leave? I mean, do people start planning on that? You know, what's the scheduling going to be like if they stay next year and, and uh, with all the other new schools coming in, what's, what's it going to be like? How do those coaches prefer scheduling? And, it, and it's good. there's a lot of storylines going into this event. Every year you wonder what the storylines are going to be, and they develop pretty quickly. And I think they're developing pretty quickly this summer.
1: Yeah, Eric, and as we prepare for Big 12 media days and for the football season in general, it just seems like a lot of people, even more so the last few days, have that OU Texas date, October 8th, circled on the calendar because with Texas starting to pick up steam on the recruiting trail with the commitment of Arch Manning, it seems like Steve Sarkeesian and his all-gas, no-breaks mantra uh, have really been able to generate some juice down there on the 40 acres. What do you think the outlook is for Texas this season? and How much is riding on this campaign for Steve Sarkeesian and Texas, just given what they have out in front of them with Arch Manning ready to matriculate, uh, presumably uh, next fall at the University of Texas?
3: You know what's crazy is every year we talk about Texas and are they back, and a lot of people say, yeah, they're back. And every year a lot of Texas fans are disappointed by what happened I think we got to just reserve our opinion for a little bit and see how this plays out. Do I think Oklahoma, or Excuse me. Do I think Texas is set up for some success? Yes, they are, especially with Arch Manning and the recruits that are coming following him. But yet, until it's seen on the field, we really can't expect a lot. Uh, I, I do. But that being said, I do like the pieces that they have. I, I always think that the talent's there. It's just putting it together. And honestly, I think for Oklahoma to be better, it's been like this since they have both been in the Big 12. They need Texas to be, be one of the best teams too. And I know Oklahoma fans like beating Texas, but they really need Texas to win a lot of games on their own too. So we'll see how this plays out. Uh, is it just going to be another uh, uh, all hype and a little bit of fizzle? Uh, would I don't know. We'll see. But until they prove it on the field, I think we're going to have to wait and be patient with this.
0: Eric, we appreciate your time. Have a great time at Branson. Enjoy your uh, time there. All right, guys. You guys have a good week,
3: okay? Appreciate you having me, having me on
0: thanks eric eric bailey how about that parker coming on from vacation now that i almost feel guilty now but eric said yeah hit me up let's talk so there you go by the way i want to answer uh, one twitter uh, question here from oh you oh you uh you know I, I usually hits me up on twitter and uh, dm every now and then this one's a dm but I, uh, I I'm going to have to uh, disagree because he said, "Steelman, don't worry about Texas. None of those coaches have ever gotten the most out of their talent, including Mac. Mac won a national championship. <laughs> Mac, Mac won uh, double-digit games like ni- eight or nine years in a row. It all came. The the walls came tumbling down. John Cougar, uh, Mellencamp. Camp." After that BCS championship game loss to Alabama, when uh, Colt McCoy got hurt, right? Garrett Gilbert had to come in, and then after that, uh, the last I think Mac had four more years, and that's where everything changed. And a lot of that changed because the quarterback play wasn't up to par, and that's how Mac uh, lost his job eventually at Texas. And then Charlie Strong came in and went 16 and 21 over three years. So. Anyway, but yeah, Mac. You know, we th- we think about Mac sometimes because Bob Stoops had a winning record against Mac. Mac won a national championship. Mac did an excellent job at Texas the last four years. Again, after that uh, BCS uh, championship game loss to Alabama, <coughs> pardon me, uh, were difficult though, and that's that's what happened. But. Again, I think everybody remembers, you know, let me answer that for Chris, you know, two years in a row. And 63-14 uh, and then 65-13 and some of the beatings those Bob Stoops teams uh, put on Mac's Texas team. But overall, Mac did an excellent job and obviously won a championship, a national title, and maybe the greatest college football game ever played between uh, Texas and SC. All right, let's break right here. Our thanks to Eric Bailey. And uh, when we get back, we have time for a few uh, texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, more than that. And uh, good to have you with us here on a Tuesday. Mike Steely Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Ref. Keep it here. Okay, welcome back. Mike Steely Parker Thune here on this Tuesday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon on the Ref Radio Network. And we've got locked in coming up, of course, at the top of the hour. A lot more on uh, Sooner Recruiting, Baker Mayfield, uh, everything You want to know about uh, Parker and Tyler McComas, we'll have that for you. You want to get in some uh, text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line?
1: Let's go right ahead and do that. Uh, One of our listeners says, Cade Horton needs to sign an NIL deal with Buffalo Wild Wings sliders for six figures. (laughs) Man, how impressive is it that that dude picked up a slider during the Big 12 tournament? I know. I was like, okay, I'll just go strike out 13 guys in the College World Series final. Man, yeah, and that's
0: nasty. I mean, his stuff, what do you have in those two appearances? 24Ks?
1: Yeah, 24 total strikeouts at the College World Series. Which is, I mean, hopefully that performance is not lost in the disappointment of not coming out with the national championship because. That Cade Horton's performance in Omaha deserves to be remembered. Hopefully it claims its rightful spot in Sooner baseball lore. Uh, back to the text line. One of our listeners to the 918 says, any word on Phil Picciotti? He's done with his official visits. That's another one of those guys I think will announce sometime in the month of July. And I do expect that that decision is going to favor Oklahoma at this time, unless something changes drastically. Oklahoma does appear to be in the best position to land Phil Picciotti, the three-star linebacker, out of the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, Another listener asks, where does the latest intel suggest Dalen Smothers ends up? I'm confident that OU right now is in the driver's seat, and Florida State has a shot. North Carolina State has a shot as well. Alabama is also there in his final four, but I don't think they're as big of a player. Uh, To me, Oklahoma is in the driver's seat for Dalen Smothers, And that is a guy that I believe will be announcing his commitment very, very soon. So if everything holds, that could be running back number two in the 2023 cycle for the Sooners. Another listener asks, will Cade Horton return to OU or turn pro? I think we touched on this yesterday, Mike. I'm very much of the belief that he's going to stick around another year.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those deals, though, where, you know, you look at it and I, I think, you know, when he said that he was thinking about, you know, leaning towards coming back and wanted to be back and all of that, I believe him. I think he's that kind of kid. But, man, like I said, the lure of, of one of the scouts told a buddy of mine who's a big OU baseball guy that Horton could get up to uh, as much as $5 million. And like I said, that's that's – life-altering money right there. So I think the kid's heart may be coming, you know, in favor of coming back to Oklahoma. But when you see those kind of dollar figures, uh, that can, you know, that can change, you know, you you make a decision with your head instead of your heart sometimes, and you get people around you who counsel you. And I I don't know if he's coming back or not, but that's going to be very tempting, the kind of money that's going to be out there for him, no doubt.
1: Back to the text line. Where do you think Ewers will be in 2023 because Arch won't be sitting? Are we still on this top? Are we still on this train? There's going to be a quarterback controversy at UT come 2020. Look, I'm not saying there won't be a quarterback controversy because maybe Quinn Ewers turns out to be terrible. Maybe Mm -hmm. Texas needs Arch Manning to play quarterback in 2023. But I think the plan – that Steve Sarkisian has put in place, and I would imagine this plan has been clearly communicated to both Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Is Look, Quinn's our starter for the next two seasons, if all goes well. 2022 and 2023 are his years. Arch is going to come in. He's going to redshirt. He's going to sit a year. He's going to learn the offense. He's going to get up to speed with the collegiate game because making the adjustment from 2A ball in Louisiana to the SEC, hopefully at that point, uh, is going to it's going to take some getting used to on Arch Manning's part so I believe Quinn Ewers is going to be Texas's starter in 2023 barring catastrophe and that Arch Manning will take the reins in 2024 I don't think Quinn Ewers finishes his collegiate career elsewhere unless we see the type of implosion that we saw with Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma
0: yeah that's just exactly what I was thinking about you know that uh, that that was the plan with uh, Spencer and Caleb Williams you never know uh, I don't think anybody could have predicted that, you know, Spencer Rattler would struggle the way he did last year. And there were a lot of things involved in that, and part of that was Spencer Rattler again. I think, I think he lost his confidence as well. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, what what if Arch Manning comes in there and even yeah early on just looks better, a lot better than Quinn Ewers? Then, then what happens? I don't know. I think you're right, Parker. I think that probably is what Sark, uh, sold them on, uh, and the Manning family—they uh, they kind of know football and what it's all about, and uh, they could counsel Art just to you know, that's you know, just wait your turn or whatever. But it'll be gr- a great opportunity for you. So yeah, one I don't more,
1: know. Uh, one more text here from the Air Comfort Solutions text line before we call it a wrap today. Haven't heard you talk about Micah Teas. What's new with him? That one just kind of seems like the recruitment as of late where. Oklahoma and Tease are going to go their own way and they're going to each take different paths. And it boils down to the fact that Oklahoma liked Micah Tease at defensive back and Micah Tease wanted to play wide receiver. And so it's it's one of those deals where the player and the program just aren't on the same page. And I, I don't expect at this point that Micah Tease is going to be a Sooner.
0: There you go. Appreciate all the text today, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully, maybe I can make a, a miraculous recovery and be back in studio tomorrow. My guess is probably Thursday. This stuff is still a pain, but I appreciate your patience as well. And, uh, Parker, great job. Our thanks again to Sean Clinch and Eric Bailey. We've got Locked In coming up next. Also, thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Stay tuned for Parker and Tyler McComas getting locked in up next.